Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb, and a special warm welcome to any guests or visitors joining us this day. Please know you're always welcome at Trinity Lutheran Church. As we gather with great joy today for Palm Sunday and also for the rite of confirmation, as we have our three confirmands who are prepared and uh, are ready to confess the faith and then begin receiving the Lord's Supper this day, we rejoice in that. And as it is Palm Sunday, of course, we'll hear the triumphal entry of Jesus as the gospel lesson this day, where our uh, Lord and Savior came humbly, riding on a colt, the foal of a donkey, to be our Savior, coming not as the king that everyone expected, but the king that we needed, one who would save us from sin, death, and hell. So at this time, I'll direct your attention to the inside of the back cover of your bulletin, where there at the bottom we have a small section labeled, Focused on Christ, that is a summary of our readings for the service this day. Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey. Our Lord rides in this humble fashion because he is entering Jerusalem to humble himself, even to the point of death on a cross. His kingly crown will not be made of gold, but of thorns, the sign of sin's curse. His royal reign is displayed in bearing this curse for his people, saving us from our enemies by sacrificing his own life. The sinless one takes the place of the sinner, so that the sinner can be freed and bear the name Barabbas, that is, son of the father. It is at the name of this exalted Savior, Jesus, that we bow in humble faith. With the centurion who declared, truly, this was the Son of God, we are also given to confess that Jesus is Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. We do have the great joy of receiving the Lord's body and blood in and under the bread and wine this day. And according to his word, we all gather then to receive this gift in unity of faith. So he bids us, as we come to the altar, to be united as one body, one bread, even as we receive the one bread of life from the Lord's table this day. Therefore, all communing at this altar need to be members either of this congregation or of a sister congregation of the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod, joining us in that one common confession of the Christian faith. And we look forward to that day when all divisions cease and our Lord Jesus returns in glory. A brief note about the service. It is Divine Service Setting 1 as it begins on page 151. And you'll see me exit here briefly as we have the blessing of hearing our children's choir. And then following that will be the first hymn, which today is a processional hymn. Almighty and everlasting God, you sent your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to take upon himself our flesh and to suffer death upon the cross. Mercifully grant that we may follow the example of his great humility and patience and be made partakers of his resurrection. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for Palm Sunday is from Zechariah chapter 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
The epistle is from Philippians chapter 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 21st chapter. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them. He will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophets, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, dear saints, Palm Sunday is a coming together of unlikely things. Think about it. Christ the King, the Lord of all heaven and earth, is coming into Jerusalem. He is the Lord God of Sabaoth, and yet he comes humbly, riding on a colt, the foal of a donkey, with only his disciples in tow. Christ rides no war horse. He wears no armor. He is not escorted by an army of men or of angels, for that matter. He comes in humility. The humble nature of his coming is underscored all the more by the fact that he is God in the flesh. The Lord Jesus comes to us cloaked in human vesture. As St. Paul says, <clears throat> Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now the purpose of his coming to Jerusalem brings to mind another juxtaposition, the cross. Christ comes as king into his holy city to shouts of, Hosanna in the highest, and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And in five short days, that same crowd will shout, crucify, crucify him. And also, his blood be on us and on our children. The disciples who stood by him joyfully on Palm Sunday are the same disciples who will scatter in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
The triumphal entry into Jerusalem will conclude in the bloody and burdensome march to Golgotha. And all of these events begin today, on Palm Sunday. This coming together of two extremes, the overflowing joy of Palm Sunday and the bitter woe of Good Friday, is why this Sunday has another name as well, Passion Sunday. In the history of the Christian church, the centuries-long tradition is to hear the reading of St. Matthew's Passion account on this day. The practice of only observing the procession of palms and excluding St. Matthew's Passion is a relatively new practice, which began for us Lutherans with the Lutheran hymnal, but I digress. As we look to the scripture lessons this day, as well as to the collect and the introit which we prayed, one word stands out clearly, humility. Our Lord Jesus is the picture of humility, the very picture of humbleness, as he voluntarily sets aside his power as God in order to serve lowly sinners in the ultimate way, by dying in their place on the cross. Now, the humility of Jesus, it stands in stark contrast to the brash arrogance of sinful humanity. Since the fall in the garden, sinful men and women have been reaching out and taking what God has not given, grasping at what is not ours to have. In reaching out and taking for ourselves those things which God has not given, we show that we are just like our original parents, failing to fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Just look, for instance, to Eve in the garden. Having lost the fear of God, she believes that the taking of the forbidden fruit is acceptable. No big deal. Having lost the love of God, she loves herself and her own desires more than the good and gracious will of God. Having lost trust in God, she believes that she knows best and that God is holding out on her. Therefore, she takes what has not been given by God, eats it, offers it to her husband Adam, who also eats it, and here we are today, fallen, corrupted by sin, subject to death. This is precisely why Jesus needed to come and save us. As we look around us today, in our culture, we see the same pattern everywhere. We are bold and brash in our rejection of God's good will. In his holy Ten Commandments, God reveals what is good, what is holy, and what is true. Then the devil comes along and tempts us in the weakness of our sinful flesh. God has given us fathers, mothers, and earthly authorities for our good, for our benefit and our protection. And in our sinful arrogance, we resist them all, supposing that we know better than God. For instance, how many families have you seen where the children call all the shots, and father and mother, they give in to their demands on the false hope of peace and quiet? The roles are reversed and confused. The God-given gift of parental authority is dishonored by children and abdicated by parents. Those who are given governmental authority, they abuse their power in order to make much of themselves further selfish agendas or to promote and protect evil instead of cutting it down. For that is the reason why God has given the sword to the government, to promote good and cut down what is evil. They forget that God has given them their vocations and that God will hold them to account. With the fifth commandment, our Heavenly Father protects the gift of life. However, in our arrogance, we believe life is something that we're just free to destroy as if, well, we deem it an inconvenience or a drag on society. Enter abortion, euthanasia, and assisted suicide. So also the sixth commandment is grossly abused and tread underfoot today. Marriage and chastity are gifts from God. However, in our arrogance and unbelief, we scoff at marriage as old-fashioned and restrictive. 
God puts a hedge of protection around sex and he enshrines it within the beauty and goodness of marriage. And instead we grasp for what he has not given and we abuse the gift by using it outside of marriage. And for some, outside of the natural order of male and female. You could keep on going down the list. The seventh commandment, it protects personal property. But how many people today literally reach out and take what is not theirs simply because they want it or they feel entitled to it? God protects a good name and a good reputation in the Eighth Commandment. And in our arrogance, we feel free to drag a person's name through the mud for our amusement or to impress others or perhaps just as a little pick-me-up if we're having a bad day. And with the Ninth and Tenth Commandments against coveting, we do know better. O Lord, have mercy upon us all. Who can save us from our sinful arrogance? Who can save us from the never-ending lies and temptations of the devil and this fallen world? But dear saints... Those questions, they bring us back to today, to Palm Sunday, and to Jesus. When we reflect on the law, and we see the evil which has been accepted in our culture, and also our own sinful thoughts, words, and deeds, the Holy Spirit brings us in contrition and in repentance to Jesus. It was Jesus who was perfectly obedient to those Holy Ten Commandments. He feared, loved, and trusted his Father above all things. He honored the name of his Father perfectly, and he hallowed the Sabbath day in perfection. As for loving his neighbors, Jesus did what we are unable to do. All of the Ten Commandments he kept without sin. His thoughts, words, and actions were clean, pure, and pleasing to God the Father every moment of his life, from his conception to his death on the cross. You see, we're tempted to boast when we realize we've done something truly good, if only in our own minds. Jesus came in perfect humility, a savior from sin, death, and hell. He did not come to condemn us for our sin and shame. Instead, Jesus was condemned in our place, in your place on the cross, so that we would not be condemned. As it is written, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The people who lined the streets of Jerusalem waving palms as Jesus rode in as a king, they're no different than we are. They had heard him teach. They had heard of his miracles, and some had borne witness to some, even as you have borne witness to the miracle of baptism. These were ordinary people with jobs, lives, children, homes to care for. Like you, they had hopes and dreams. Like you, they had sin and dark chapters of their lives. But when Jesus came to Jerusalem... They cheered. They cried out in celebration and in need. They cried out, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. This was the long-promised king, the anointed Messiah who would save Israel as the prophet Zechariah spoke. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. But you see, there is something you know that those people did not. You know what that week would hold. From the exultant joy of Palm Sunday, the week swept into a turbulent mixture of enemies plotting, a deal being made for betrayal. 30 pieces of silver. That's all it cost. An upper room being prepared for the Passover, the institution of Christ's Holy Supper, prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, and an evil betrayal that was carried out with a kiss. Jesus would not be the king the people expected or even desired. Rather, he is the king and savior for sinners who would die at the hand of sinners in order to redeem 
sinners in order to redeem you. And so he has. God be praised. Christ Jesus died and he rose for you, each and every one of you. In his crucifixion and death, Christ accomplished your salvation and that of the whole world. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus humbled himself in order to exalt you, to lift you up. Jesus died for you so that you would not taste eternal death, but eternal life. Jesus rose for you so that you too would rise on the last day and go body and soul into his promised paradise. We were plunged into darkness and death by the arrogant and brash sin of Adam. How fitting that our Heavenly Father saved us from death and brought us into his marvelous light by the humble and patient obedience of Christ, the second Adam. Again, God be praised. Dear saints, it goes without saying that this is not the first Palm Sunday. We are not in Jerusalem right now, and Christ Jesus has already accomplished our salvation. And yet, despite this, we experience Palm Sunday in a way that those in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago never could and never would have imagined. For you see, Jesus is with us today in his word and sacrament. He has already absolved you this day. He has spoken to you in his word, and soon he, we will speak those beautiful words to him again. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. For the risen Christ himself will come among us in and under bread and wine. You will come to the table and you will receive the meal that he instituted before his disciples in the upper room those many years ago. You will consume the body that was broken, pierced, and is risen for you. You will drink the blood of the new covenant that was poured out on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. Jesus will come to you as both host and feast, and he will bless you with the forgiveness of sins, eternal life and salvation that he won for you on Good Friday. Therefore, rejoice greatly and shout aloud, Behold, your king is coming to you righteous and having salvation as he, humbly coming to you, exactly how he promised, in and under bread and wine. For our confirmands, this will be the first time that they've come to the table to receive Christ's body and blood, having been instructed in the Christian faith and having been theologically examined, they are prepared not only to confess the Christian faith, but to receive the Lord's body and blood this day. As much as this day is a significant milestone for them and also one that we remember not only for them but of ourselves, it is one day in a lifetime of faith. Now, I say this not to downplay the significance of their faithful confession, but rather to set it within the context of your whole life. With the help of God and by the blessing of the Holy Spirit, may this be the first of countless days that you come in repentance to receive the Lord's body and blood from his table. With the help of God, may this day be indeed the first of many. You see, confirmation is not graduation from church attendance. Rather, it is a significant milestone of knowing Jesus all the more as he continues to keep his promises to you that he made in baptism, forgiving your sins, consoling your consciences, and strengthening you all the more as you walk with him through life and death into the promised land of paradise. So may Emily and Malia, may God the Holy Spirit bless you and keep you in the one true faith unto life everlasting. And as I say to my own children, faith in Jesus is the most important thing, always. 
None of us ever outgrows God's word or the small catechism. So ladies, as you make your promises of faithfulness today, always remember the promise that God made to you in your baptism as we hear from the prophet Isaiah. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And so on Palm Sunday, Jesus rode into Jerusalem in great humility to redeem and ransom us all. It is right to give him thanks and praise. As we begin again our march toward Good Friday and the cross, don't look away. Come to the services on Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday. Retrace the steps our Savior took in order to redeem you by his bloody death. The reality of the cost Christ paid is humbling. Come and behold him, beaten, bloodied, and nailed to the cross for you. Come and be humbled. Come also and be filled with reverent thanks and praise for all he has accomplished for you. Come bend your knees and bow your heads at the love of God for sinners, the love of God for you, dear saints. Then one week from today, come rejoicing with all your might and confess that Jesus Christ is the risen Lord to the glory of God the Father. In the name of Jesus, amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. That we may treasure Christ's sacrifice and the gift of his redemption, and after his example, that we also would live faithfully and selflessly, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For faith fixed on the humble sufferings of Christ, that as baptized royal sons, we would follow his example for the service and salvation of the world. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. That God would cut off arrogant worldly powers and bring all rulers under the merciful reign of Christ, making them effective servants of what is right. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For those in trial and peril, and for the brokenhearted and humbled, that God would come quickly to their aid, and that our Lord would rescue John Brenneman, Vanessa Burmester, Charlotte Locke, Richard Phillips, Ron Lyon, Bob Rash, Erlene Lakey, Lisa Rash, Ted Phillips, and all who delight in him. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For Malia, Emily, and Amelia, and all Christian catechumens, that the Holy Spirit would continue to enlighten them with his gifts, sanctify and keep them in the one true faith unto life everlasting. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For worthy reception of the sacrament by which Christ's death is proclaimed until he comes, that we would be filled with his righteousness. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We praise you, Father, that you have sent your Son not in wrath but in mercy. As we enter this most holy week and ponder together the mysteries of your great salvation, show us the answer to your people's prayers of Hosanna and the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, again, good morning and welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church on this blessed day that the Lord has given to us. Uh, looking ahead at our announcements, as you'll find them in the back of the bulletin, of course, we have Sunday school and adult Bible study immediately following worship this day. Uh, if you're in need of Eastern graduation cards, they are now available in the church library, and please contact Louise if you have any questions. Also, a big thank you to all those volunteers who prepared our Lenten midweek meals these past weeks. So it's greatly appreciated. Thanks be to God for your faithful service. 
And also a reminder that Easter Sunday worship, we will have sunrise matins at 6.30, uh, Easter Day Divine Service at 9. And if you're joining us for Holy Week services, Thursday at 7 is the Monday Thursday Divine Service. And then on Good Friday, also at 7 o'clock, is our Tenebrae Vespers service. Uh, we do need uh, Sunday School volunteers through May 15th. You may feel free to sign up as you wish on the glass case down there. And God's blessings, of course, to our confirmands. Uh, the rooms are warm, apparently. <laughs> Please also note, this is one of the last Sundays here. We have our upcoming cookbook. If you've not contributed anything thus far, there's still time. The sheets are available there on the glass case, and there's information in the bulletin if you'd like to contact anyone with questions or concerns. Anything that I may have missed in the announcements? God's peace be with you as you go, knowing that your humble and triumphant king has done all things well for you, and we await the day of his glorious return, even as we remember this week all that he has accomplished for us. Go in God's peace. I'll greet you at the door.